Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. It feels like, and I loved watching the the simple, um, I, I saw Dom before service punching Jaden in the face, I think, a couple times. And then I saw that same kid, you know, 10 minutes later, um, just with his microphone right there, ready to worship the king. And I think that that's all of us, right? I think that that is who we are. And I know um, Mary, um, that's how he always is at home, right? He's just always an angel and always just perfect. And everybody, so, um, right. But I think that that represents all of us. And we are, I think there's just an expectancy in this room this morning, an expectancy and excitement to come and celebrate um, the risen king. Just an excitement here. So um, perhaps you're joining us and you're new, and we've been in this m- middle of this message um, series called God is With Us. And today is a message that is very, very personal to me, um, and I pray that it, it is very personal to you as well. So I just invite you to just, uh, just prepare your hearts for the kingdom to come this morning, for the Lord, um, the Lord has come, and he wants to be and sit and, and um, be with you. And so what I want to talk about is something that is a cornerstone belief for those of us who are Jesus followers. Now, I recognize that um, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, I'm not really a religious person, but I know that this is something that you do. Um, you, you go to church near Christmas or you go to church near Easter. There's, there's these times of the year when I know that like, even though it's not really my thing and I haven't really like... I don't really know what that sold out thing or born again or what do those terms even mean, but you find yourself here this morning, and so we acknowledge that. Um, You might even say you're from a different faith background, but no matter your beliefs or your background, you are completely welcome here, and I hope that you know that and you feel that and you sense that there's just, it's like almost something in the air. What I want to do is I want to be clear, as clear as I can, to explain this very important principle in a way that will minister to those of you who are Jesus followers, and who knows, it might even draw in some of us that are in our presence that maybe aren't identifying with Jesus as your Savior. I want to talk about what theologians call the incarnation. The incarnation. What do we believe when we talk about the incarnation? What, what I would love if, you, if you're able to, would you just stand um, where you are? I know not everybody's able to get on their feet right now, and that's okay, but I, if you're able to stand, I just want to read from Matthew chapter 1 some very powerful verses of Scripture um, that will introduce the idea of the incarnation. So I, I don't embrace a lot or you know, partake in a lot of the like churchy or whatever things, but I think sometimes it's cool to just kind of stand in honor of the Word of God being spoken. So we're going to do that here this morning. So just stand and absorb what Matthew Chapter 1, starting in verse 18, says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're not in a church or haven't heard the story, that yeah, that's a stopper right there. Like, what? Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He didn't want to bring shame on her. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message 
through the prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which, can we say it together? They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Today I want to talk to you about the presence of God through the birth of the Son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Before you sit down, you're going to sit down, but just turn to one person and say, God is with you, and then have a seat. So the incarnation, what is the incarnation? In order to clearly define this in a way that everybody would understand, I went to the source of all wisdom and knowledge, just like any good college student, right? I went to Wikipedia. (laughs) And so to determine what exactly this incarnation is, we look up Wikipedia and and we, we type in incarnation. What, is, um, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and read this to you. And this will clarify this big theological idea. What is the incarnation? So Wikipedia defines it this way. Well, in Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the pre-existent divine logos, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God, the Son, and Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, the Theotokos. The doctrine of the incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. Two natures join in hypostatic union. Now that we understand what the incarnation is, I'd like to move on to weightier theological terms. Yeah, right. So now we're ready to grow in our faith. Yeah. Okay. Now, just in case you were wondering, I actually have a degree in theology. It took me four years to get that. And then I went to Vineyard Leadership Institute and did another two years of studying there. And I don't understand a third of what's in there. Okay? Theotacos, it's a term I've not heard before. I'm guessing, I know Theos has to do with God, tacos. I mean, hey. (laughs) Heavenly tacos. That sounds like a food truck that needs to open up. Okay? So I want to make this as simple as I can. Because this is a cornerstone belief for those of us who are followers of Christ. What is the incarnation? As simply as I can put it, the incarnation is when God became flesh in the person of his son, Jesus. John's gospel in John 1.14, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word became flesh. So, The incarnation is when God the Spirit entered into our world in the person, in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus was all man and all God at the same time. He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. And this may still be a little bit foggy. And so Abby and I live in a house with three little kids. And so we're always like trying to explain things in simplest versions possible and help maybe paint like word pictures to help bring about understanding to potentially like complicated things, right? Con- concepts that are, are just really difficult to understand, so we try to like just really simplify it for our kids. So I'd like to share this little imaginary story. 
about what would happen if God the Father had a conversation with Jesus, his son, before Jesus came to earth. So in doing this, I'd like to ask my son AJ, come on up here um, and be with us here this morning. I think that this is just going to help us visualize this a little bit more. So this is my, my son AJ. He's seven years old. And yes, when, when uh, dad was up here asking if Christmas Eve is really tomorrow, he was the one that said yes. And he is, he is an ideal seven-year-old boy and we love him. Um, but I, I, just, I think sometimes seeing a relationship between a father and a son right in front of us is something that it, it just helps drive home what kind of a deal this was when God the Father was talking with God the Son. And so we're going to, he's going to be up here with me for a little bit. And it's just like as if Jesus and, and um, the Son and God the Father were sitting in their living room up in the heavens. And, and we're going to imagine that um, this morning. Because in this conversation, the Father was explaining to his Son what going to earth and fulfilling the mission would actually cost him. So to be really clear, this conversation didn't happen. And, and what I'm going to talk about, though, is consistent with what the Bible says happened. Okay, I'm going to add a little bit of creative flair, because that's fun for us. And we didn't have the, the manuscript of their conversation. But imagine what it would be like if God the Father said, Jesus, here is this, this is what this is going to cost you. And the loving father explained to Jesus what this mission would actually entail. So how would the conversation go? I think it might just go something like this. Jesus, son, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it. I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will, to be a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, I've chosen for you the woman who will be your mother. You're going to love her. She's a teenage girl who is completely devoted to our will. Her name is Mary. She loves us so much. She is pure in every way, not like the other girls who were out, you know, playing spin the bottle or truth or dare. She's a pure virgin. She's going to be an amazing mom. I've also chosen for you your earthly dad. Now, I'm your heavenly father, but you'll have an earthly father. His name is Joseph, and he's a good man, but to be honest, Mary's going to get way more play. Joseph, he'll be lucky to be mentioned in the nativity. Mary's going to have songs sung about her, written about her. She's going to be a lot of people's heroes. She's going to have statues. In other words, you're going to spend nine months in her belly. And I know that seems a little crazy. But it's in Mary's womb, before she pushes you out in this cruel world, that I'm going to even form you. Now, Jesus probably speaks up about that time. Really? Nine months? Could we consider a stork? God says, I know you're joking, but that's funny. <laughs> I totally didn't deliver that well. He says, you, you can't do this. Just to be clear why, you have to be born of a virgin. Because you're not going to have an earthly father who helps you be conceived. Therefore, you will not inherit sinful nature of an earthly father, but you're still born of a woman. Therefore, you are all man, but because I am your real father, you're also all divine. You're human and you're divine. 
you're man and you are God. That's why it has to be done this way. I'm sure Jesus would have said, of course, I understand. Now, when you're born, you need to understand this. You're going to be born in a very common place. Most people would expect you to be born in a palace, but because you are the son of God, I've selected a very nice cave for you next to some farm animals. Jesus smiles and he says, I get it. We're going to let everybody know that I haven't come just for the rich and the powerful, but I've come for the common and the ordinary. Exactly. Now, when you're born, Jesus, from day number one, you need to realize that every demon in hell is going to hate you. And for your whole life, they're going to be coming after you and trying to destroy you. The first time you're going to see this is before you're even walking. Think about what it's like to have a father say those words to his son. Before you're even walking, the demons are going to come after you, and it's going to look like this. King Herod is going to issue a command that all the little boys under the age of two would be murdered because he's trying to find you. Your family is going to have to go on the run. You're going to have to try to escape to Egypt. And if you don't get out, out of there, your life is in danger. I see Jesus taking notes over there right now. Secure a fast donkey. God goes on and he says this, Jesus, you're going to have supernatural power. All the power in heaven you're going to have on earth. You're going to have supernatural power. So whenever your mom and dad try to give you a bath, if you don't want to take a bath, you have the power to part the bath water. You could sit on dry tub. Jesus, just take the bath. If dad feeds you broccoli and you want it to change it to cake, you could change it to chocolate cake. Jesus, just eat the broccoli. When you go to school, you have perfect attendance. You'll make straight A's. The teachers will love you. The students, they'll be jealous of you. When you grow up, I've chosen for you to be a carpenter, just like your earthly dad. You're not going to make a lot of money, but you're going to find fulfillment in helping people. You'll be good at it, but people will not respect you in your hometown. They will not show you honor. But you will work with your hands, creating, because that is what we are. We are creative. And they have no idea that the very wood from which you're going to form those tables will be the same wood that one day they'll construct a cross to hang you on. Jesus, use your power wisely. You will be able to speak and change things. Your first miracle I've chosen for you, you're going to change water into wine at a wedding. Jesus, then you're going to do some real miracles. You're going to open blind eyes. You're going to open deaf ears. You're going to raise the dead. And they're still going to hate you. They're going to call you a liar. They're going to call you a lunatic. They're going to call you a crazy person. They're going to say you're drunk. They're going to say that you are my enemy. Just keep on loving them. Jesus, show them who we are. Show them my love. 
What I want you to do is to reach out and befriend those who are prostitutes. Touch those who are lepers. Love those that that religion rejects. The more you love, the more they will hate you. Jesus, just keep on loving. This is why you were going. Remember to show them who I am, to show them my heart, and show them my love. The devil is going to attack you at every turn. After you've been seeking me for 40 days, the devil will attack. And when he does, I want you to fight back with the living word. Jesus, whenever the devil says, hey, turn those stones, turn them into food. You're hungry. Turn them into bread. Jesus, what verse will you use? Good, Jesus. That is so good. But what if, what if the devil tells you, go throw yourself off those mountains and test the test. Go throw yourself off a mountain just to test to see if the angels will protect you. What will you say then? That's easy. I'll tell the devil it's written, thou shalt not put the... the the Lord your God to the test. That is so good, son. That is so good. But what? What if Satan throws a big one at you? And he says, I'll give you all the riches in the world. All you have to do is worship me for a moment. That's easy. I'll tell the devil it's... Next one. Oh. <laughs> God, that I'll look at him and say, get away from me. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Well done. That is exactly right. Just keep on standing strong. Now, you're going to have friends. That's fun to look forward to. But In fact, you're going to have 12 men that you invest in and you love. And your disciples, you're going to give them your best. And they're going to love you back and be loyal to you until they're not. Peter, he'll be one of the boldest and one of the loudest for sure. He's going to tell you, Jesus, I'm always going to be there. If everyone else denies you, I'll never deny you. Then in front of a little eight-year-old girl, he's going to act like he never even knew who you were, Jesus. And he'll do it a second time and a third time because he's too afraid to stand by you. That one's going to hurt. But when you're serving what will be known as our supper, the Lord's Supper. You'll break bread and you'll hand out the wine and and that will represent what will happen to your body and the blood that will be spilled. And you will share with that one of your closest, you'll share that meal with one of your closest friends. His name's Judas. And just hours after that, that very same man will sell you out for a few pieces of silver, hand you over to your enemies. He'll even betray you with a kiss on the cheek. Jesus, just keep loving. Son, I want you to pay careful attention. That's going to be bad, but it's only going to get worse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you're going to see ahead of you what is coming. You're going to know. You're going to be so overwhelmed, you're going to ask me, Dad, is there any other way? And I'm going to tell you what I'm telling you now. 
you know there is not. You have to go to the cross. And you will look up at me with all the love and obedience in your heart and you will say, okay, God, okay, Dad, not your will, but mine be done. Because of the pain of what you know is coming, you will literally sweat blood from your brow in agony. They will arrest you. They're going to beat you. They're going to hurt you like no man has ever been hurt before. You will not even be recognizable as a human. They will whip you again and again and again on your bare back. They'll beat you 39 lashes until you're ripped open and you're crying out in agony and in pain. Then they'll throw you down on an instrument of torture known as a cross. And stretch out, you'll stretch out your right arm and they'll pull it tight. And they'll drive a stake through your wrist. And you'll scream in agony because you are man and you will feel all of that pain. And when you think nothing could hurt more than that betrayal and that physical pain, they'll take out your other arm and they'll do the same thing. And when you aren't sure that you can survive the agony, they're going to take your feet and they're going to drive stakes through your feet and they're going to strip you naked and they're going to humiliate you and they're going to hang you on a cross where the very people that you are trying to love, and, and they're going to come by you and they're going to mock you. They're going to spit on your face and they're going to say, Hail, hail, king of the Jews, you saved other people. Why don't you save yourself? And it's going to hurt and it's going to ache. The very people, Jesus, that we created, they're going to mock us, the creator. And because of who you are, because of who you are, you will look up to heaven and say, Dad, Please have mercy on them. Please forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus, in that moment, press on. And at any moment, you could call legions of angels, and I will send them and wipe them all out. But don't do that. Keep showing my love. Press on to the finish. And when you do, when you complete everything that was prophesied you would do, Declare that you finished it. Say it out loud. Say, it is finished. Then climb up into heaven and give me your spirit. Every step of the way, I will be with you. I will be with you, son. I will be with you. I will never leave you until, until you have to become sin to take the sins of this world and to die for those sins. Remember, you are the innocent sacrifice. And when you become sin, I have to look away because I'm holy and I cannot look upon sin. And son, all the physical pain will pair in comparison to that moment when I withdraw and you will cry out, Dad, Dad, my God, my God, when, why did you turn away? Why can't you be with me now when I need you the most? Son, just remember, I cannot look at sin. Cry out and give your life for those who hate you. You'll be buried in a borrowed tomb. 
Three days later, some women will come to check on the tomb, and the stone won't be in its proper place. And neither will you, son, because you will be raised from the dead. Because we will fulfill the perfect and final sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins because we love them so much. Are you up for that, son? Yes, I am. Are you willing to do that? Yes. Yes, I am. Hey, guys, I'm over here. Oh, I didn't see you there, Holy Spirit. I always get left out. It's always God the Father, Jesus the Son. God, Jesus, God. Everyone forgets about me. Jesus, don't forget about me. Tell them I'll be with them. Of course I will. Jesus, Jesus will look at them, and he will tell them clearly. I will tell them, if you love me and keep my commands, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you. He will be there with you forever. The Spirit of truth, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus knows. He said, I need to remind them that even when I go away, the Spirit will come and dwell within them. But when I leave, I'm going to tell them what to do and the promise I commit to make. I'll tell them, here's your assignment. And before I ascend to heaven, I will say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then I will tell them this. Jesus will say, I will tell them this. I am with you always to the very end of the age because that is who we are. We will be the word made flesh. I am Emmanuel, God with them. We won't leave them. We won't forsake them. Even when they hate us, we'll continue loving them. Even when they turn away, we'll continue to pursue them. God says, Jesus... Are you up for this? Yes, yes, I am up for this. What's your mission, Jesus? Let's just be really clear. What's your mission? My mission is to seek the lost. My mission is to rescue those who are dead in their sins. I am going to bring them life and life more abundantly. Good, Jesus. You're not going for the righteous, you're going for the sinners. You're not going for those who are already, already healthy, you're going for the sick. Why are you going? Because they're sheep without a shepherd. They need a shepherd. You are the good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. You're right, we can't not go. We can't shout our love from heaven, we've got to show our love on earth. Show them how much I love them. Show them that love isn't just something that we do, but love is who we are. It's our essence. It's our being. Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1, once again. It's where we started. Hear it again within this context. And she will have a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him 
Emmanuel. So what does it mean, God with us? They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you. His spirit dwells inside of you. When you are lost, he is with you as your guide. When you are alone, he is with you as your companion. When you're hurting, he is with you as your comforter. When you're afraid, he is with you as your peace. When you are sick, he is with you as your healer. When you're weak, he's with you as your strength. When you are, when you are dead and lost in your sins, he's with you as your savior. He is Emmanuel who came to save the people from their sins. And that's the way I'll tell our kids the story of the good news that God didn't just shout his good news from heaven, but he came to earth. And he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice so we could know just how good he is. Who is he? He is Emmanuel, God with us. Last month, we've been hammering home this idea. But sometimes the enemy's voice is really stinking loud in our ears. And we think, yeah, God with us. He means like us, but he doesn't mean me. Like he came and he took on all, but I'm having a real hard time thinking that it's me. Lisa, would you come up over here? I'm having a really hard time thinking that it's me. I was reading this book this week, a little devotional. Um, this guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We'll get into him another time. Just an incredible saint. Lisa's just going to share a little snippet of a, a part of one of his sermons from 1933 of a story that he shared. And if that is you... I want you to stand up where you are. If you're identifying with that and you're saying, I need a touch from the Father today, and I'm having a hard, really hard time identifying that God with us means God with me. And sometimes we ask you to raise your hand or sometimes whatever. I'm going to invite you to stand up and take ownership. That if you, if you are needing to hear this message that God is with me this morning, just wherever you are, at any point in the rest of the service, stand up and take that and take your spot as an heir of the king. Take your spot as God's kid. Lisa, will you read this for us? You know what a mind disaster is? In recent weeks, we have had to read about one in the newspapers. The moment even the most courageous miner has dreaded his whole life long is here. It is no use running into the walls. The silence all around him remains. The way out for him is blocked. He knows the people up there are working feverishly to reach the miners who are buried alive. Perhaps someone will be rescued, but here is the last shaft. An agonizing period of waiting and dying is all that remains. But suddenly a noise that sounds like tapping and breaking in the rocks can be heard. Unexpectedly, voices cry out, Where are you? Help is on the way. Then the disheartened miner picks himself up. His heart leaps. He shouts, here I am. Come on through and help me. I'll hold on out until you come. Just come soon. A final desperate hammer blow to his ear. Now to rescue is near. Just one more step and he is free. We have spoke of Advent itself. That is how it is with the 
the coming of Christ. Look up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Are you the disheartened miner? Are you in a mine shaft and it's, it's imploded and you feel like your life has imploded? And it feels like, okay, there might even be hope for other people. I know that the rescue team has to be coming. The rescue team has to be digging in. But I'm in the last shaft. Things are too far gone for me. My situation is too bad, too bleak, too hopeless. God has invoked every person of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to devise a rescue plan for you specifically. And the last shaft of that mine is not out of his reach. If you need to receive that message and receive that word from the triune God, the incarnation is for you. Emmanuel, God with us, means Emmanuel, God with you. So we invite you to come and to get prayer. Now, I, I can't remember, does the worship team come up for tithes and offerings? <laughs> okay, if the worship team would come up, I know I've messed up your stage a little bit. If you can, uh, I'll give you a second to bear with me there, but they're gonna play a song. We do this thing in church, we give our tithes and offerings. We put our green cards in the bag. We do, uh, do things like that each and every week. We want you to do that. We want you to, to, to worship God with every facet that you have to offer. But most of all, we want you to know that if you are the disheartened miner, take heart. The king has come. Our ministry team is going to come up front here. If you would like somebody to pray with you, that message is for you.